Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast, where we share hunting stories from the field that help pave the way for others to follow. Hunting, I feel like, plugs me into the present in a way that that nothing else that I do really does. This is your host, Jared Newman. Let's get started. All right, welcome to today's podcast. Today we're actually jumping into the A story of, if you listen to Taylor Hicks uh, a couple weeks back, we did a story with him where he was telling his archery season from 2022 with his archery partner, Wade Carter. I have Wade Carter sitting here with me today. So welcome to the Huntling Podcast, Wade. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to tell the A story. It's I know we kind of told it backwards, but you're telling the A story, which is kind of the first, uh, what was a nine-day hunt that ended up being an 11-day experience yep. Yep, for yep, 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 uh, yep. you and Taylor. So um, before we dive into the A story of what you experienced this year. Yeah. I want you to give me just your, give me a season recap from last year. Sure. And some of the changes, some of the things you learned from last year that led you into kind of your preparation for 2022. And then we will dive straight into the A story. Sure. So, um, I'm an atypical desperate elk hunter, eight years. First time we've had success, had shot on shots on bulls, a lot of elk activity. And, uh, we sort of started off, um, unconventionally Jay Houston, I think his website is elkcamp.com. Just bought a, a DIY trespass hunt, right? Just public land, right? Here's a map. Here's some waypoints. Here's a two hour phone call consultation. And Jay put us on elk, right? And then we did tree stand stuff for a while. And then, uh, you know, friends kind of fell apart for a little while and then reconnected. And last year, uh, 2021 hunt was sort of like when me and Taylor and some buddies had kind of reconnected and, and, and under certain conditions, right? <laughs> I had 26 tree stands in the public forest and Taylor said that he didn't want to hunt tree stands. And I said, okay, well then we won't hunt the tree stands. So we brought them all down. You didn't say, okay, then we won't hunt together. No, because, um, at that time I was kind of orphaned. We had some other folks, some friends that we would hunt with, but they weren't hunting the same way that sort of me and Taylor aspired to hunt. Okay. Right? Um, and so we had just tons of tree stands up. We were doing it differently in 2021. Actually, Taylor and I went on a deer hunt in 2020, went to Wisconsin for some whitetail, just had an absolute blast, harvested some monsters. And, uh, that was kind of him and me kind of reconnecting. And then it was like, Hey, let's hunt elk together next year, but let's not do it the way we have the last four years that we did hunt together. Let's do it different. So we basically threw it out the window, the way that we hunted, you know, a lot of game cams, a lot of tree stand, a lot of patterning, right? Very little calling. I was a jerk. I would tell Taylor, don't call. You're going to scare him away. Right now. Yep. I mean, that has flipped on 180, right? So now, um, you know, we all got dialed in on, um, Corey Jacobson, elk 101. Sure. And we committed to, this is how we're going to hunt. And so we hit unit 15 public area. It's a freaking massive unit and it is a pumpkin patch, buddy. All right. It's full of hunters and we got into the elk, right? We found them. We called some in. Uh, it was pretty wild at the, on the, like the very last day, um, communication had broke down between me and Taylor and Aaron. We were kind of a trio out there, uh, kind of like lost sight of them, saw an elk pass through a valley, maybe 1500 yards away. I cow called, I was being really aggressive. I moved up that valley really, really hard and then had a stalker decoy on my bow, which is kind of a new introduction as well. That was kind of a last minute audible that we threw and ended up with a frontal shot at couldn't have been 18, 20 yards on a nice five by five bull 
and shot was perfect. Okay, so you felt great about the shot. I, I think Taylor gave us a little bit of this story maybe in the in the part A. Yeah. So yeah. you felt great about the shot though. Felt great about the shot, felt great about my release, right? I struggle with some eye dominance issues, so I've actually shot bowls in the past, but because my um, dominant left eye and I'm, I shoot right-handed, picked up, I've, I've airballed bowls before, right? I could spit as far as I've shot at bowls and mm. completely miss them, which is incredibly demoralizing, uh, but just part of hunting, I guess. So I knew my shot was good. Um, and so we kind of celebrated that night and had a lot of fun, you know, all right, we're, let's go pack them out. Let's go get them and go down there. And, you know, after an hour and a half of looking and this is where he was standing and where's the blood and this and, and this you and knew this. exactly where he was standing. I knew like precisely you could 100%. see, you knew exactly where you were standing, where the bull mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And we never found the arrow that I shot, but I shot him straight on. So in the beard, right? And never found blood, never found the arrow, never found the elk, and just completely demoralized. That was 2021. Now, later I learned my arrow setup was all wrong. So check this out. I'm at um, Shields in the archery department. I'm ready to buy a left-handed bow. I'm ready to change everything about the way that I shoot. You know, my eye dominance issues, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I, I run into Jake Thompson um, from danger close outdoors. And, and, and I'm telling Jake and I'm just kind of venting and he's like, you gotta listen to this podcast, go to the Ashby foundation website about, uh, arrow efficacy, um, and broadhead efficacy. And he turned me on to, um, a meat eater podcast with Dr. Ed Ashby called the archer's paradox. And I must've listened to that seven times. Yeah. And it, cause everything that Ashby says contradicts what I thought I knew about bow hunting. I remember I was on a text thread in that signal deal where it was like, everybody listened to this. And I think you were kind of like preaching it. And I remember listening to it a handful of times. And like, there's a lot of things that that podcast brings up that causes you to question your setup. And obviously he has a lot of research that's gone into like what, you know, the lethality yep. of an arrow like setup. Yep. Um, yep. So it was fascinating. Listen, for it, sure. It was. And it's so rich in facts that it, for me, I, I mean, I need got to pass that a couple times through my brain to really soak it in. So I changed, I changed my arrow setup that year. So I missed, I, I shot that bull. We couldn't find him that year. Taylor and I go to Wisconsin. We're on a whitetail hunt and I had just slipped in a new arrow setup and had only dialed into 20 yards. And now I'm shooting these Ashby 315 um, single plane, yeah. double bevel broadheads. So the, the, the hundred grain broadhead, you know, that is kind of your typical. And then, you know, if you're shooting a heavy broadhead, you're shooting a 125. You're shooting a 315 grain broadhead. 315 grain. Right. I mean, it's going from like a teaspoon to like a ladle. The thing is massive. I cut my hand so bad on it because the broadhead doesn't even fit inside my quiver. So you have to be careful with them. Um, and, and then I've got, um, heavy arrows, um, tapered shaft arrows. I've got feather fletches, just so many little things, right? I just kind of followed. I just drank the Kool-Aid from his podcast. Yeah. Got this arrow set up. My total arrow weight is 785 grains. <laughs> and, um, I climb in the tree stand in Wisconsin where I'm not even in my tree stand for 21 minutes. Okay. And a massive, beautiful whitetail comes out, presents broadside and, I shoot that arrow at a perfect broadside shot. He runs away and uh, then the light gets a little bit brighter. I couldn't see the arrow. And then with my binoculars from the tree stand, I see the arrow 
just completely drenched, right? Very red. And I felt good about it, but I still couldn't see the the deer that I shot. Sure. Because he kind of ran away, and then uh, he ran away from me in, in line of sight of a big tree, and I couldn't see where he went. So I climbed down when the hunt was over, because I thought maybe a doe would come by. I had doe tags as well. I was going to shoot a doe too. And uh, there that deer was. I mean, there on the ground, not even 45 yards, 50 yards from my tree stand. And so I was like, cool, all right, well, this broadhead obviously works on whitetail. Now, that being said, though, I've shot whitetail with my mechanicals, and they did fine as well. So it wasn't really the seal the deal like I thought it was. But I felt like I was going to give myself every advantage as I can. And so far, this year, 2022, this is the third bull that I've shot. And I shot a bull with a mechanical, and he did not present a blood trail. And we looked for a day and a half. We ended up finding that bull. The next year, that bull had traveled 900 yards and had bedded down and expired. And we found his scavenge remains. And I have that rack. Uh, porcupines got into it some. And I decided not to fix it. It's just the way that it yeah. is. That's, that's yeah, my it's the way you found away. it. Yeah. And was that, uh, how many years ago was that? When was that? Oh, man, I think that was 2016 or 17. And you used a mechanical head? I used a mechanical head. 100 then, grain, 125, do you even yeah. remember? 125 I think at the most yeah yeah and then those were the broadheads I was using then I shot that bull last year with that same broadhead and I trained so hard all summer I mean we were at the range together you were there a bunch too I mean we were there every single week for the better part of five months and I knew my shot was good and I just feel like that arrow was not as effective as it needed to be now you the 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 white tail that you shot Mm mm-hmm Full pass through because you said from the stand, once it was light, you could see your arrow drenched in blood. So yeah. I'm assuming it went straight through the white. Yeah, oh yeah, and it was buried in the ground. Okay. Yeah. So that that had a little bit of gravity on 785 as well. It was just yeah. Boom. Oh, it was like a, a tent post just driven into the soil. Is yeah. it super loud shooting? It? Does it change the the? It it actually is quieter. So you don't get the string slap. You don't get the 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 bow kick. Because it's got to move a little bit more mass, right? And so my bow shoots quieter. And um, so I'm happy with that arrow setup. Okay. And, and we'll get into it later on in this, yeah. about, about this year's hunt, about okay. how thankful I was that I was shooting the heaviest freaking arrows I could possibly find. Now, seven, set, I mean, that is, that is heavy, heavy. I, I went to by far the heaviest setup I've ever used this year. I used a Carbon Express Triad or I think a Triax or tri- I think it's a Triad mm-hmm. arrow. Um, you know, don't ask me why. Like, it's just like the, everything I, you know, you all, as you've been in this longer, it's like you, you're kind of like looking for like, all right, what is that next little thing? Sure. You're, you're upgrading something. Yep. And I tried two different types of setups. I did a four fletch, which I've never done before on my back and did the shorter inch and a half, uh, like low profile four fletch. And then mm-hmm. I did... I did these one, I think it's called a spider vein or something. That's a, it actually like, is like a, looks like almost like a foil thing. That's like in a spiraled shape mm-hmm. to help send it. Mm-hmm. And was talking to the local archery shop here. And it was like, look, we've chronoed all these. We set them up on these arrows. You know, this is a, this little setup, it's quieter and you get three to four FPS faster, you know? And it's like, it's, is that, it's all negligible, yeah. but it's like all those little things that are negligible differences that sure. kind of add up to yep. something. You've kind of gone to what I would say is like literally the extreme, you know, like as far as you, I don't know how much heavier you can possibly make a setup. I mean, wh- which arrows are you using? Cause so it's the grizzly stick momentum arrows. I think 
they're a tapered shaft. I've got a brass sleeve at the front of them too. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you, Jared. I, I love that arrow setup. I am not a super detail oriented person. Sure. When I order these arrows from Jake Thompson, I just said, look, man, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. You set these arrows up like you would if you just lost three animals and you don't ever want to do it again. Okay. And so he set me up. So he built those. So he you're not those. building those arrows. I'm not building But you're them. just telling him, give me. This is what I want. <laughs> I want the yeah. death arrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I'll shoot a, a, a sharpened piece of rebar if I have to. I mean, I need something that is going to get me the pass through, even if I T-bone ribs, even if I'm catching shoulder. No, I mean, I don't want any excuse. I don't want my arrow to be the reason why I didn't harvest. Sure. Right? There's a lot of reasons I haven't harvested. I'm aggressive. Um, sometimes I'm an idiot. Um, sometimes I'm bumping and moving when I shouldn't be. And we'll get into that. Sure. I don't want it to be because my arrow wasn't effective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You want that to be the last reason why, like if, if everything else has come together, which takes a lot for any of us. <laughs> it does. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then kind of fast forward to 2022, man, um, this year. So Taylor and I had some success in 21, right? Taylor, um, Aaron Peterman, and I, and, uh, we were all hunting unit 15 and man, we were eight miles back and it was like a, a, a bow hunters convention. I've never seen so many people so far back. Do you, I mean, the last thing you want to see when you think you're eight miles back is other hunters, let alone double digit hunters. Right. And that's what we ran into. So this year, 2022 hits and Taylor's like, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And, um, he wants to cash in our points. So I've got five, he's got four, and we want to hunt a higher point unit, right? So this is a once every, and with point creep, we'll only hunt units like we hunted this year, maybe every six or seven years, yeah. right? And that kind of puts a lot of pressure on you to, like, you got to perform, man. You've waited five years to get this hunt, so yep. let's make it happen. So in the middle of all that, I, I buy a house on 35 acres that needs a significant amount of remodeling. In addition to that, I, I, I own a company. We do landscape construction and, and service work. And I've got, huh. you know, 20 something employees working with me and I'm a dad. So your summers and a wife. are slammed. Your life is slammed. Yeah. I got a wife, three kids and, you know, life to live. And so this summer is the, the least prepared I've ever been for an elk hunt ever with arguably probably the most, one of the most valuable hunts, easily the most valuable hunt I've done up until this point. Sure. I'm remodeling this house day and night. I'm overlooking subcontractors. I'm running a business and we're trying to fit in a couple of family vacations, three of which we had to cancel this year just because we didn't have the time. And so we're getting ready to go on this hunt. Normally I'm, I'm cutting sort of like my, my fitness world revolves around elk hunting, right? Um, I normally get pretty lean right around my elk hunt. Sure. And I'll, you know, I'll, I I'll, know that feeling. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that that 15 pounds, I'll get my miles in. Right. And, and this year it was the worst. I was heavier than I've ever been on an elk hunt, the least in shape. Right. Taylor oh, was hard. furious. He, he played it off, but when he showed up the day we were supposed to leave for our hunt and I was directing subcontractors and hadn't packed my bag and needed to dial in my 30 and 40 yard pins. He was not happy about that. Totally. So understandably, totally. such a good well, I mean, you, sport you about burn, it. You burn points. You, <laughs> I mean, you talk about this, you prepare for this. Oh, dude, it was so bad. Um, Taylor's a good sport about it, though. And it was funny when I was dialing in those pins, you know, it was real encouraging, man, that shot's on the money right there. Okay, cool. You ready to go? Let's get going. Let me get one more shot in. You know, all, all the time, he just wanted to get the heck out of my house so that we could go hunt. And so we get up there, and I'm conducting business the last minute on the way and all this kind of stuff. But 
we get packed up and, and so I've got these e-bikes, right? And so, uh, there's logging roads in unit 15, a lot of logging roads, and you can travel around on an e-bike and get to places, you know, that you otherwise probably wouldn't be able to get to. Um, now they're changing some regulations, so I don't know if you're going to be able to continue to do this anymore or not, but, um, so I'm like, okay, well, let's utilize these e-bikes, right? Because now I don't have to be in as good a shape because we're yeah, an e-bike, yeah, right? Yeah, I've got so I'm <laughs> leaning on that pretty heavy. So we find this mountain bike trail that we're going to hunt off of in the area that we're going to hunt. And it's like a 13-mile loop. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is how we're going to do it. Well, we get up there and we're on the e-bikes and we camp at the trailheads, just sleeping on the ground, camp at the trailhead, morning uh, of our hunt. Uh, the first morning of the hunt, the season opener, what was that? September 2nd, right? September That's a Friday. 2nd. That's a Friday. And we hop on our bikes and I, we don't go 500 yards. Like it was a technical hiking trail that if you had the balls to do it, you could mountain bike it, but it was extremely dangerous. <laughs> so we're pushing these mountain bikes, right? And we're fully loaded day one. Our pack is never going to get heavier than it is on the first yeah, day. You got all your food. Got you everything. got everything. We're pushing these bikes. We have to ditch the bikes. I'm laying on the ground, like just about passed out tired because I'm so out of shape. And Taylor was and you're 500 yards in and we're 500 <laughs> yards in and we're like, got this 13 mile loop planned. Um, my feet are starting to hurt. I mean, it's so stupid. I was such a sissy. Um, but we get on our backs and, and, um, it takes us days. It takes me days to wrap my mind around what we're about to do. So I feel like the first three days of the hunt were just practice. But that day, um, we hike up, I, I changed the names of some of these benchmarks cause I'm not giving away where we got. No, yeah. We say no, but, no names, no units. Yeah, You've so already we, said one unit and I'm like, ah, I might have to edit that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But unit 15 is where everyone is at already. So okay. you guys do what you want with <laughs> that information, enjoy. but. I'm going to be giving you fictitious names of things so yeah. you don't have to edit it, but we get up to clear Lake and there's like an overlook and, um, I am absolutely wiped and Taylor goes, let's get up to some high ground and glass because, um, the tree line, we we're kind of hunted the tree line. And so we do, we push up there and I'm hurting and my feet are hurting. And, but by golly that night, so this is the first real day of the hunt and we glass, um, some bulls. And I'm like studying my onyx and the terrain features and the 3d view and this kind of stuff to put a, to try to put a pin on where we see those bulls at. And I do, and it could be one, they're in one of two places based on what I can tell. They're either 2.48 miles away or they're 3.25 miles away. Sure. Either way it sank in that they're a long way off and e-bikes <laughs> are you're not, not going to call that them e-bikes are there. not going to just puddle up to them. And, um, so we go down to clear Lake. We, we, um, we camp, we wake up in the morning and we, and we, we bust it to try to get back up to that point to put eyes on them again. And we do. And just in time to see those two bulls tucked behind a row of spruce. And it was like, dang, those are those same bulls. And they're just about in the same spot. But we knew that based on <laughs> so the So did thermals, you go back to get your tree stands? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, man, the tree stands are so long gone now. Um, it settled in that with the thermals coming uphill, we have to be above these elk. Where we see them, Yeah, we have to be above them. So um, Clear Mountain had this huge, like plateau way above tree line 
but you're up around, man, you're in the mid twelves, right? And there's no water up there. Yeah. And it's 85, 87 degrees. Ooh, yeah. Cause you're, you're this, this is September Dude, this 2nd, is September the beginning 3rd. of the season, yeah. right? You are just we had a hot year too. sweating. Just, it was crazy. Right. So we have to descend, we load up water and we load up, I don't know. I had a couple platypus bags, a couple four liters. So my pack is as heavy as it's ever going to be now. Cause I'm I, only you, on day you two. Haven't, you haven't dropped camp. You're, are you still at this point carrying We're camp on your back? Everything with us. We're taking camp and everything. Like okay. there is nothing left behind. Okay. We don't have a cache of food. We left anywhere. We don't have a cache of water. We're carrying everything up. And we know at that elevation that there's not going to be water up there. So we hike up there with all of this water, just, it felt like gallons of water. Right. And I'm just, I'm dying. My feet are killing me and I've got nice Kinetrek boots, Yeah, but I haven't conditioned my feet again. So I'm getting blisters. They're about the size of silver dollars and they're thick and nasty yeah. and bleeding. And it's like every step I take <laughs> and I'm out of shape. And it sucks. And it's the freaking worst. Yeah. Meanwhile, Taylor's bouncing around like a freaking gazelle. Yeah. Right. And, uh, sort of as like a sympathy move, he'd let me lead the way that way. I didn't have to feel so worthless about my performance because he's <sighs> a couple hundred yards in front of me and I can't hope to keep up with him. Right. But so we hike all the way up there. We get to this ridge. Now we're looking down on the area where we see the elk and sure enough, they pop right out of the scrub oak again. And they're not even, I mean, it's maybe 2.30 now. Okay. Afternoon. Afternoon. So they're up on their feet, 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> Walking around like no big deal. Yeah. Right? And this is amazing. We're coming from one of the most pounded public units in the state of Colorado. And, and we're not even in wilderness area. This is just, it's just, it's like a four or five point unit that we're at. And it's just public, public land. Yeah. Right? off of a friggin' mountain biking slash hiking trail. And we're thick into the elk, right? Flirting with tree line. So <laughs> what we do is there's the elk. We need to drop down on them. Well, I don't want to carry around all this water. I'm walking towards water. Now I know it. So we dump out all of this water. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that you just carried up the hill. Like, for like whatever that grass was that I dumped that water on was like, praise God, <laughs> you know? And so it felt so, um, unproductive, but we dumped the water and this is where things got a little bit tricky. In the beginning of the hunt, we were ununified in the way that we were hunting. And so remember I told you last year we had that stalker decoy and that's how I shot my bull and he was facing me and he wasn't spooked and I looked like a cow to him. And so Taylor and I both had stalker decoys. And so, um, while we're watching these elk kind of come out of this scrub oak, then we start to hear bugles. And then from a little ways away, we see an entire herd of elk pop onto this little knoll. And there had to have been 65, 80 elk there and elk everywhere. Are we still midday? Now we're at like three 30. <laughs> Which is pretty midday because early archery season. Dude, nobody sees elk at that light. time of day. It was crazy. Not but we knew 15. that they were, we, yeah, not in unit 15. We knew that they were in, that they, I felt like they would be at a higher elevation because it was so hot. And so my suspicion was confirmed because they were, you know, they were floating around tree line the whole time. Yeah. So we put our, we, we drop water. We got our whole camps with us and we, uh, strap our stalker decoys on and, uh, 
Remy Warren said in a podcast one time, if you're going to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. So we had to get past these cows to get to that herd. And so we knew we were going to bump them on the way in. So we may as well put our stalker decoys on and see what happens. Sure. Well, we closed within 61 yards of those elk in full sight of us. And they did not spook. And they were easily within bow range. Right? Now, Taylor was a shooter at that particular time and didn't end up with a shot. Even How though. did you guys establish shooter? Like, was that flip a coin at first or just day one is you, day was. two? Or is it, do you alternate stocks or how, do you, how did you guys set that up? You know what? I can't really remember except that I felt so unprepared. I was fine with Taylor being the shooter. Sure. Because I'm okay. like, I've got the <laughs> least amount of practice, right? Um, and so we bumped those two cows. We move down the ridge and the entire elk herd is traveling towards us, right? If we're traveling at 12 o'clock, they were kind of coming in at 11 o'clock. Now you said there's like, I mean, like this is a big herd. Like you got 60 elk kind of making their way towards you. This is Saturday. You. This is day two. Yeah. And how many bulls are in a herd of 60? I couldn't even count them. I don't know. 15, 20. <laughs> okay. All legal, right? All the spikes were mixed in with the cows in the herd. I mean, it was pretty, pretty wild. So we get down there and this is when things kind of fall apart. We get in probably, we're within about 150 yards of the herd. Don't really know what to do. Taylor and I haven't really game planned this. I've got my stalker decoy on. So I'm like, man, let's go get them. I see a satellite bull and I kind of cross this field in direct view of the entire herd of elk. That's 150 to 200 yards away. And I point my stalker decoy at them and they do not care at all. You're just one of them. I'm just walking through, right? I close within 65 yards of that five by five. And I don't know why I didn't draw on him, but I didn't. And he bumps and I, and he, he quartered, he went downwind of me. I don't think intentionally just ended up there and he winded me and I heard him crashing through the woods and he was on his way out. Um, and then I, I don't know what happened, but the wind changed. I felt the wind blowing towards the herd because I knew where they were in proximity to where I was. And I was like, crap, I can't stay here. So I, I, I circled around this, some, some terrain features. I saw another pack of five or six bulls, maybe 85 to hundred yards away through the trees. I started moving on them. Taylor's moving on the herd. Taylor bugles at the herd, the herd bumps. I'm chasing these five or six bulls up the hill. I see the herd move about, I don't know, 250 yards to my left. I try to start cutting them off. We go all the way up the hill. Now we're way above the trees, right? There's no trees anywhere. And I watched these, this entire herd of elk dang near scale a mountain and get way up on the ridge where we had seen them from at about 2.30 in the afternoon. And in the last light of the day, I see the silhouettes of these bulls and cows on the top of the hill bumping out of there. Huh. And just a complete disorganized, who the heck cares, run at him as hard as you can, do whatever you want type hunt on the first day, right? <laughs> just incredibly disorganized. No no. As if you've never hunted elk before, <laughs> throw out the playbook. <laughs> it was terrible. So, uh, and then Taylor's yeah. like, yeah, well, that's that. And he gets his pack and he's headed in a direction and bumps another six or seven cows with two or three really big bulls with them. Everywhere we go, there's freaking elk everywhere. We're busting into them constantly. We're feeling like this is the second day of the hunt. And we go to bed that night and we, you know, we camp up we wake up in the morning. Um, 
And then we named this at this particular terrain feature. We called it the lucky plateau. And, um, so we knew that there was water down there the next day. And so we feel like we're in the money, right? There's elk everywhere. And granted, I ran so hard after those five bulls, my feet were killing me. Oh yeah. And by the way, when we left to go on the hunt on Thursday afternoon, I stubbed my toe, my first toe on my right foot, about as hard as I've ever stubbed it. I've got a flap of skin the size of a dime. Okay. And I can't take a step in these stupid boots without it hurting. I mean, it is excruciatingly painful, right? Never mind the fact that my my heels are just blistered up like insanity, right? So I'm having a really hard time. And it was uh, Sunday morning and I tell Taylor, hey man, Taylor's like, well, we got to go up. We got to do the same thing we did yesterday. We got to get elevation. We got a glass and we got to see them because that's what's working for us because we've done it twice. Right. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't climb that hill. I can't make it up that hill. I'm going to meet you back over here by clear Lake. Taylor was going to climb the hill, glass them and then circle around to clear Lake. And I was like, I can't do that. Wow. So I'm in pain, but we're going and on the clear plateau, Taylor's Taylor's going to start climbing this slope. And I know if I, if I go up with Taylor up this, up this, like to the clear plateau, I can cut to clear Lake and he can keep going up. Right. And this is about one o'clock in the afternoon. And so we start hiking. Right. And, and keep in mind, every time I take a step with my right foot, that the, my toe kind of butts the front of my boot Yeah, and it hurts like crap. Yeah. Right. And it turns into this ascent. I called it the, like the, the hell March. We just hiked up this hill for, I don't know. I think it was maybe one and three quarters of a mile, about half as steep as a set of stairs, right? It's not crazy steep, but good and steep. And it was just one foot right after the other. And about the spot where I needed to cut off to make it to clear, clear lake from clear plateau. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to push through and stick with Taylor. And that's when it sort of like happened where all of a sudden mentally I, the, the fortitude started to set in, right? This is what it's going to take if we're going to harvest. So I stay with Taylor. We hike to the top We're we're, we're at 12, seven, right? There's a couple peaks around us that are 14 ers Wow. Taylor wants to hike another, I don't know, 500 feet up and a quarter mile to my South to see where that elk herd crossed the ridge. And I said, okay, well, you go do that. I'm going to sit right here. And I take my boots off. I take my socks off. I let everything air out. And I'm looking down into this valley on the other side of this pretty predominant ridge. And I just hear this guttural dragon freaking breath, just deep, nasty, mean bugle. Is Taylor with you? He's not with me. Okay. So he's already walking and he's pissed because we've, we just like, you know, we were like a cue ball on, um, a pool table with that herd of elk the day before we blasted in the hell everywhere. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And we're, you're both running at him from <laughs> every angle. Dude, Who so cares stupid. about the wind? It was so stupid. Um, but we're up there. So Taylor's following some tracks. I, I see him in my binoculars. I kind of flag him down and, He's a little irritated. He's got to come, you know, nurse me back to health or whatever I've got going on. And Taylor comes over there and he, and it was great. It's a great question. He asked me, did you see a bull? And I was like, no. 
And he's thinking to himself, why the flip did you flag me all the way to come back over here if you didn't see a bull? I know that's what he was thinking. And I was really happy that he asked me that question because I wanted to tease him a little bit. Um, I was like, I didn't see a bull. And I said, I do hear a bull right down there. Now, right down there was probably, that was a very, very steep slope. Yeah. Maybe six, 800 feet in elevation down. Okay. So, I mean, it's, if you're going down, you're not coming up in 45 minutes. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a hard, you're committing. But the other thing is your mid afternoon Yep. thermals in the afternoon in general are always coming up, you know, that, that hot air is rising. So you, you, you've got a couple things in your favor. Yep. And Taylor thinks, well, that's got to be the herd that we bumped yesterday. You know, they just popped over to them. This is nothing. Right. And so we're up there, we're watching that herd and we were going to make camp right there. We're like, okay, this time we're going to take our time. We're going to watch what they do. We're going to take our time. We're not just going to go busting in there like a freaking bowling ball at the alley. Right. We're going to, we're going to watch them. And I said, you know what, if we're going to sit here and take our time, I'm going to drop my pack and I'm going to cross this clear plateau because Taylor felt like that herd could have easily crossed over to back over to clear Lake. And it was a pretty level walk, but it was about a mile and a half. And I could just look over the edge and see what was going on over there. So I do that. I go over there and I glass that, I glass another herd right down there by Clear Lake. We had just camped there two nights before, right? And there they are. I mean, maybe 12, 15 cows, one big bull, one bull with them. And there they were right down there. So I walk back to Taylor. I say, Hey, let's, let's, let's get on these guys. So we do, we, we, we're not going to, because they were, Clear Lake was closer to the camp, closer to our truck. So we weren't going to drop over that ridge. That would add, if that meat was on the ground, it would add like three and a half miles one way to our adventure. So okay. these guys were a lot closer. So we're going to go after them. So we set up camp. We Which go over that's there. logical. That, yeah. that's, that's, you put some thought into that one. A <laughs> little bit, right? And there they were, plain as day. So we wake up in the morning and, and I'm still like, Taylor's still annoyed because I'm still unprepared Wade this year. Right. In fact, there's, there's a joke that begins. And, um, the joke is, is, um, Wade, you're going to start a YouTube channel. You're going to call it prep zero. Right. Why, why prepare for a hunt when your friends will. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So Taylor starts teasing me. Yeah, man. Hey, prep zero, bro. It's working out great for you. Hey, why break in your boots? You just break them in the first three days of the hunt. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Why dial in your pins when you can do it, um, uh, on a sand pile at the trailhead. Right. (laughs) So you've only changed your arrow weight. You've only doubled your arrow weight. That can't really move it that much. Dude. So he starts teasing me and, and it's, and it, it, it is so well deserved, right? I'm such a jerk for you know doing this to taylor and and just having such a crap yeah here you guys uh, have burned a lot of points (laughs) (laughs) and prep zero shows up (laughs) and prep zero right so we um we wake up that morning and 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 taylor's like upbeat like it's dark at night and he's up and i'm like wanting to sleep in my tent right i am so not prepared for this and taylor's like hey i'm gonna go glass that bowl we saw last night right over here, you wake up, you know, when you get up, glass, these bulls over here at clear Lake. And so Taylor does. And, and I do. And so, I mean, I crawl out of my tent. I mean, here's how late I got up. It just, it got <laughs> too hot in my tent to stay inside of my tent. So, <laughs> so, so I may as well get up. Right. So, <laughs> and so I get up I, you're, mo- on, you're on prep zero time. Dude, I'm on prep zero time, man. I, I mosey over there to the edge, whip my binoculars out. There's the entire herd that I saw last night. All right? 
Just okay, right there. And what time is this? Because it's nine in the morning. Eight forty-five. And they're yeah. crossing this field, and I glass them the whole time. I got pictures, videos, and I see where they tuck into the woods. I see where we think they're going to go bed down. And I'm like, cool, man, prep zero, right? You know, this is easy. This is right? how it works. I, uh, and then I walk over there to get Taylor, and Taylor's shaking his head, man. He's mad. And I'm like, uh, finally get to him. I'm like, what's up, man? What's up with that bull down there? And he's like, I was over there. I was watching that bull. I was going to drop down in on him, and I saw two hunters down there getting on this bull. At, and so we called that drainage Nelson Creek. And it was, uh, that was fun, but Taylor was pissed because he saw these bulls and we had another little mountain we called the helicopter mountain. It looked like the mountain had been flattened on top, like a, almost like a, like there's a little landing or there, something, like a little helicopter pad. Right. So we called that helicopter mountain. So there's Nelson, Nelson, uh, Creek and then helicopter landing or helicopter mountain. And Taylor's got, sees hunters down there and he's pissed. And, uh, it's like, okay, let's pack up our camp and, um, man, let's go drop in on those bulls at helicopter mountain. And we get over there. And Taylor, um, doesn't want to go down there. He like changes his mind. Ah, man, if that was me down there, I'd be pissed if two hunters came down in on me. And it was like, okay, cool. Well, we know where the herd bedded at clear Lake. And right about then we were 100% bingo on water. So it's like, all right, well, let's go hit clear Lake. And, uh, and then we'll set up a stand. We'll set up a spot where we know they're going to come back to, and we'll wait for them to come out. Right. Yeah. And this is the, 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 like, disjointed, unfocused strategy that we have. Right. So we just, are, are your feet doing any better? Dude, No, they are. They're just getting incrementally it is, worse. It is murderous. Okay. How bad they are. I'm putting electrical tape on them. I have a, for some reason, a pretty healthy amount of electrical tape <laughs> in my, in my emergency pad. So I've got that. I'm, I'm blasting through my blister pads. I've got a pretty good. So I bought that, um, meat eater book, wilderness survival book. Right. Uh -huh. I put together a pretty solid emergency kit. So, um, but I'm burning through my supplies, right? My feet hurt. Like I cannot tell you, but I've got a lot of blister pads. I've got a lot of dressing for the blisters and I've got a good amount of like, um, K tape, by the way, K tape is great for blisters. And so, but I'm burning through all that and, and, and walking downhill is the most painful. Cause my Cause toe, your toe really right in the end. bumps the front of that boot and I'm compensating. So I'm walking different. So I'm hurting in ways that I wouldn't normally hurt carrying a, you know, 65 pound pack. So we get down to clear Lake. Taylor takes off his socks, puts his feet in the water and the lake is, I don't know. I mean, it's an Alpine Lake. Yeah. It's like 55 degrees, but he's like, I'm getting in. So Taylor strips out, pops in. Taylor brings soap with him. He's freaking bathing, rinsing off in the water. I can't put my feet in the water because I can't afford to get all these dressings wet because I don't have enough don't have to enough. put dry ones on. And we're hanging out. And um, Taylor gets out of the water and he's drying off. And um, he looks at me and goes, hey, man, a, a woman just went by. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? A woman? He's like, dude, <laughs> this chick just went by. Like I'm taking a bath <laughs> in a high mountain lake. I was like, what are you talking about? Either a mermaid about, or a woman. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? He's like, dude, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm standing here trying to dry off behind that tree over there. Right. Completely freaking in a birthday suit. And some woman comes strolling by and I was like, you're, you're joking me. And so we make it back around to clear Lake and there were these like makeshift picnic tables and we're sitting there and sure enough, a woman comes running up and Taylor's like, that's not the woman that I saw. Like, this is another person like here when we're four miles from the truck and I'm like, well, what have we stumbled across here? Right? So this woman, and I'm like, Oh, your friend beat you. Well, she didn't know the other woman. 
And then we're sitting there kind of collecting our thoughts, getting some water and two more women come running up this hill and they've all got dogs with them. And then the one woman that ended up seeing Taylor came back to us and said that we had left something behind back there. Um, and it said, you know, elk call or something on it. And Taylor had left his bugle tube back there. Um, Taylor didn't want to make eye contact with her. So I told her, oh, thanks for telling us that. We'll go get that bugle tube back. <laughs> right? So it was like, give me a break. Right? So here we are. We think we're remote. We think we're in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah. Well, I've got to remind myself. It's a, Apparently that hiking trail gets a fair amount of use, right? Um, and it's females. also From females, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a Sunday. Yep. Now we're on Sunday. And so it's Labor Day weekend, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's starting to make sense. So all these people go running off, right? And me and Taylor decide to set up where we think these bulls are going to come back out. And this is the part where our, our strategy was not uniform. We set up our stalker decoys on trees and we thought, okay, they're going to come and they're going to hit this water and we're just going to sit and wait for them. We're not calling we're not really strategizing. We're just hoping that they're going to come back into this area. I see Taylor move maybe a hundred yards away from me, but I can kind of spot him. I start moving. We start calling and the elk don't come. And we end that day chasing where we think that they're going to be looking back over into there's a, we call it a prairie prairie draw where we can overlook this bluff and see this other Valley. And we end that day incredibly frustrated, right? And we go like, it goes like this, dude, let's, let's go back to the truck. Let's cash in this hunt and let's, let's come back with, with a fresh pair of legs. Let's go back to work for the rest of this week. And let's, let's come back after your feet have had time to heal, heal up and bit. that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm like, dude, I'm so down for that. I'm so done with this hunt. Right. I was just, my mind was not in it. Yeah. yeah. I'm hurting. Prep, prep zero prep realized zero, you needed to have a Came little Came back bit. and reared its head. Right. So. We do. We pick up the bikes on the way. We make it to the truck and then Taylor changes his mind again. Uh, but in a good way, he says, dude, let's just go into town. Right. So about an hour away was a Walmart. Let's go into town. Let's hit that Walmart. You know, let's call our wives. Let's have a, an afternoon off. We got Arby's. I ate two, like one pound freaking roast beef sandwiches. Right. And you can go get all, you know, blister packs and that kind of stuff. We got a fresh change of clothes. So we do that. We go into town, we kind of freshen up and we feel better. Now we're back at camp. And if we take the trail a little bit differently than we did, maybe we can e-bike further in. Well, sure enough. I think that was either, maybe that was a Sunday night or a Monday night. We e-bike in that night. We e-bike in. It was still daylight when we, when we hit the trail on our e-bikes and we get back into the woods about maybe four miles. And it felt satisfying because I had, now I figured out that if I cut a hole in my sock and stick my toe through my double layer socks, then it won't bump the front of my boot quite as much. And I've got K tape for days and all the blister pad I'm going to need. So we're feeling like we got this. Now we're, you can go back in. You we're don't. feeling fresher, much, much fresher. The next day we're driving on our, on our, our e-bikes and I watched Taylor. He's so frustrated by that e-bike because it's really torquey and that e-bike dumps him. Oh, and dude, he eats crap yeah and he's totally trying to be cool about him playing it off and i know he's just furious yeah right checks his bows bows fine he's like yeah my bow took most of the damage and i was like okay so we keep going we're having problems with water too very frustrating our pumps aren't working quite right we don't you know they get clogged up with lake water 
stream water is the best. You could pump stream water so quick. Well, at Clear Lake we were at, our freaking pumps kept clogging, right? So they're getting frustrating. So we come across this freaking spring, just a spring on the side of the mountain. And that was great. So we're drinking all that water. We make it back up to the Lucky Plateau at about, oh, I don't know, maybe it was 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon that day. And we're overlooking the same valley where we just got done chasing elk around and blasting the cue ball, right? Yeah. A couple days before. And we're, we're just watching now. Now we're going to drop the e-bikes there. We're going to hunt on foot. We're kind of back at it. And now that my feet are feeling better and mentally I'm wrapping my mind around what we're going to need to do, I feel like I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm back to the old Wade, which was the killer Wade. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. The right? 2021 killer right? Wade. 2021 hiker Wade. So me and Taylor are glass and we're looking, right? This is what's been working for us. And I told Taylor, I want to see what's over that hill, right? So we both take off at around, it was about 430 and we're going up a little ways. And I said, Hey, there's a cow. Taylor eyeballs down there, sees the cow. And he's like, dude, let's go get that cow. And we'd have to drop pretty low to get that cow. And I thought, okay, cool. You keep an eye on that cow. I'm going to just go to the top of the hill right here. That was my fib. Like, I'm just going to go to the top of that hill just right there. It's like 100 yards away. I want to see what's over that hill. Well, of course, it's like a false summit. I yeah. end up walking like a quarter mile. But I get to this other ridge that looks into this completely different drainage. And I see um, bulls in the sun just there. And I walk back towards Taylor. There's two bulls. And I kind of put my trekking poles up like there's bulls. Come on. And he's coming towards me. And I was like, dude, there's bulls right over there. And so we were able to, so it was like a ridge, a valley, a ridge. And we were like eye level with those bulls separated by, I don't know, a quarter mile and 800 feet, right? Pretty, okay. pretty steep. Yeah. But we get over there and we're pointing our stalker decoys and me and Taylor are like, let's go. I see that that slope is facing east. I know that at the rate the sun is setting, that those thermals are going to shift. And by the time we get to the bottom of that hill, we're going to have wind in our face and we're going to go up that hill right on these bulls. Right. And I swear to you, that's exactly how it went down. The elk saw us come down that hill. They were coming down to meet us. Those two bulls that we saw, we didn't find the other one. The one we got 80 yards from was a spike. Right. But on our way down, we saw another herd, just one little draw over. And there was a lot of bulls with them. So we get into this area and it's the elkiest area I've ever been around right? There's just elk sign. There's like sidewalks. It's like a freeway system of elk, right? There's just prints, hooves. It smells, the entire place smells like a barnyard. And we cross this slope and we hear the elk and they're, they're moving out of the trees onto this slope and where the spruce kind of get a little bit thinner, right? Instead yeah. of being like right on top of each other. Now there's like, there's Christmas trees of spruce, right? A Christmas tree spruce has to have a lot of even sun to have a real even shape to it, right? And there's like grass in between them. So we get up there now though, now Taylor's the shooter and I'm the caller, even though I've got my bow and I've got my sneaker soccer decoy and I've got an arrow knocked and we're moving along, we can both shoot and we're moving up the hill in such a way where I can call for Taylor because that's my primary role. We get up this hill and in between the spruce trees, as you're hiking, the elk are looking straight at us, but we've got our stalker decoys on and they're about 300 yards away. So cow call who move with the stalker decoy. They don't bump at all. They don't care, but they're not coming downhill to us. We're trying to get on their level. Well, we do get on their level and Taylor's in a position. I see where he's at and I start hitting this estrus call. I have it's uh, it's one of elk 
uh, Rocky Mountain Elk calls, Reed calls. It's an Esther's call, super nasally call. And I just, I'm blowing that thing like a freaking trumpet, just blasting it. And I see these four bulls commit and they are coming. And I know that they're coming and I'm like, crap, I'm in a bad position. I need to back up because they're coming to me and I want them to circle down to Taylor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So because I'm the, sh- I'm the sh- caller yeah, you're and Taylor's call the shooter, through. right? Cause now our strategy is starting to synchronize, right? I, you know, put my arrow away, back way up, call, call, call. And those elk are just coming in on Taylor. And I'm like, they are all around him. He has to have shot one of them by now. Cause I think I know where he is though. I can't see him. And these elk are everywhere, right? So then I see Taylor and he's kind of like, has this excitement on him. And it's like, dude, did you shoot at him? He's like, dude, I shot one of them. He's like, I shot twice, but I know I hit, I hit that. The first one, he's like, I don't think I hit it because it didn't react to my shot whatsoever. But the second one reacted. I know that I hit it. And I was like, okay. And so then we hear an elk bugle. We go blasting down the hill. I'm going to be the shooter this time. It's so dark. I can't see my pen. I'm on this elk. I decide not to shoot at him because it probably wasn't legal anyways. And then we scaled the other hill and set up at the top of the ridge, set up our camp. And we go to bed thinking that we're going to glass brown down on this big grassy slope the next morning. Right? Because Taylor was like, it was 42 yards, man. He's like, I had to have them. Right. And I was like, of course, if anyone's going to shoot this elk, it's going to be Taylor, Mr. Wake up every day and shoot like, like Cameron Haynes. Right. And I'm the super unprepared one. Right. And so I'm excited. Right. Because I'm like, we get to be part of a successful hunt. We wake up the next morning. And, uh, of course the sun wakes me up again because Taylor already glassed the hill and he didn't see the elk. What's more important is Taylor sees that his, when he draws his bow, his bowstring hits his stabilizer. Cause when he ate crap on the mountain bike the day before, (laughs) It jacked his back stabilizer. He mentioned that in the part A, and it was like, oh, bro. Dude, it was such a bummer. In the part B. Yeah, he mentioned it in part B. It was such a bummer, bro. But it's still like, well, we got to go find your arrows. We got to go look. So we have to hike down that hill again, all the way back up again, to go get on those animals, right? To go see what's going on. Taylor finds all of his arrows, and he finds one arrow that does have a tiny bit of blood on it, but it definitely wasn't a pass-through shot. We, we feel like it probably nicked him, right? Just like a little bit of blood, only on like one small spot of his broadhead. And he felt vindicated because the ranges that he was aiming at was the ranges that the elk were at, but because the bowstring was hitting his back stabilizer when he released, it was yeah. screwing up his arrow path big time. So... It's like, no big deal, dude. We've had, we've been in elk every single day on this entire hunt, dude. Let's just go get into elk again. We know where elk are at because we saw that cow the other day. So, and I'm like, cool, man, I've got all the K tape I need. I just keep taping up my feet and I'm, I'm like, I'm fighting through the pain, right? I got a hole cut in my sock. My toes not hurt me quite as much anymore. And we go blasting up and down the hill and we put together, sure enough, right where we saw that cow the the next day, we see two bulls down there, right? I mean. Jared, I got into more elk on this hunt than I have in the history of my elk hunting combined. Yeah. Right? There's more elk this year than all your other years combined. Into elk. Every single day, like top to bottom. So we go blasting down there on those bulls, but the thermals change. Turns out they were spikes anyways, so they were afraid of cow calls. 
Cause these spikes, I think got punked by other bulls and yeah. they do not want anything to do with the herd. I think that they're lonely dudes and they're tired of getting hit and hurt by other bulls. Right? So they bump me and Taylor think we can go around the, this Valley a different way. And we end up on like this rock scree slope. And we see this six by six, this massive six by six, 350 yards away, but probably 350 yards down the Valley too. I mean like a 45 degree angle we were looking at him. And it's like, let's just cross this scree slope to send over here and come up Valley at him. Well, Taylor and I nearly die on that scree slope. I look back at him and I'm like, don't come out here any further. And I kind of touch a boulder that I thought, well, this is a pretty big boulder. I can hold on to this. And when it moves and eight feet diameter around all the rock around, it moves as well. I realize I'm in a pretty precarious place on this slope. And then I've knocked some boulders loose and it was like a wily e. coyote cartoon where the boulders are like crashing down the valley. And then there's silence. And then there's, <laughs> and it was like, dang, that rock just fell pretty far. I made my peace with Jesus. I knew how I was going to die. And I felt like an idiot for being out there. But by the grace of God, I got off that slope. I mean, I, I promise you that was a near death experience. I was like, that was yeah, that's scary. so freaking stupid yeah. to be out there on such a loose slope. And it was falling off cliffs, right? So we got off that slope. We bombed down the hill trying to get that bull. I mean, we're going hard to try to get him, right? We get to the bottom. I'm shooter this time. And I tell Taylor, you shoot, bro. You shoot. I'll call for you, right? Prep zero. Why shoot the elk when your friend can? <laughs> right? So we get down there. The elks, we can't find the elk. Um, I'm pissed at the world, man. This is Thursday. We go to bed. I, I set up my tent. I crawl in my bag. I don't eat a mountain house. I don't eat any food. I just, I told Taylor, he's like, you all right, man. And I was like, bro, I just don't want to be up here anymore. Yeah. I just hit my threshold. I'm, I, I'm over it, man. Right. So we go to bed, we wake up. It's hard to believe when you're in that. We're in the elk. elk. You know, it's we're like, in the elk and it's just, we can't make it happen. Yeah. We just can't seal the deal. Right. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to just be in the red zone that many times. And, and we're not even kicking field goals, man. Right. We're not putting any points on the board and it's so frustrating. So we get up the next day and Taylor was convinced that it's like, I'm going to be like, Hey, let's go. And I was like, no man, let's, we're here to hunt, dude. We got, we got one more full day. Let's hunt. So we have to ascend this valley that we're in and it's just murderous once again. I mean, I've never hiked so much in my entire life. I was just, I, on that hunt, Jared, I lost 17 pounds Yeah, from top to bottom, right? <laughs> from the day one to when I got back, I got back and my wife was like, Hey, and I was like, what's up? <laughs> you need to go to the mountains more often. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. So we're, we're going up this hill. And, and once again, I'm kind of frustrated. I feel like I've got a place to be. I'm not, it's not about methodically hunting slowly through the woods. I'm like, we need to be at the top of this valley because, um, you know, for X, Y, or Z, something in my brain. So on the way up, we're cow calling a little bit and we bump a bull, a nice five by six, had him at 40 yards. But because I wasn't carrying my bow and hunting, I was hiking. He goes bouncing off and he stood there and watched Taylor for probably 45 seconds while I took my backpack off, got my bow off, knocked an arrow and stood up. So if I would have had my bow in my hand, we would have had shots on that bull. So now I'm really, really pissed. I'm just like, 
Yeah, I'm just, just like demoralized. You just were like, already at the. You were already what kind at of that a freaking ledge. idiot. Am I? How many times are elk going to be within 40 yards of me that I can't take advantage of? Right. Um. So we get to the top of this hill and we're by this lake. We called it Saddle Lake because it's like this lake. There's like perched in this saddle on a ridge. What a stupid lake is is bizarre. But there it sat. We're up by Saddle Lake. We're on this wallow that was just beat to hell. Right. And it's like 9:20 in the morning. And I'm like, dude, I'm ready to go. And that same super elky slope where we had stalked up the hill and shot bulls, we hear a bugle come from that direction. And it's maybe it's about a quarter mile away from us, but we hear a bugle. And it's like, dude, they're over there. And so we drop down, we fill up our bags of water with dirty water, we hike up the hill, and we put these bulls and these cows to bed on this slope. We know right where they are. And we camp on them all day, right? At 10 o'clock in the morning, 10, 15, 10, 30, we're on an opposite ridge. We're looking down into this timber. It's dark timber. We know they're there because every hour and 15 minutes or so, that bull sends out a bugle. And we're intermittently there all day. I got woke up from two individual naps by an elk bugle, which is an amazing thing, by the yeah. way. And we just bedded Best these alarm elk. ever. Dude, and they are going to do exactly what they did three days ago when we were here and watched them. They're going to feed out into this field. We know it. And it's like, okay, now three o'clock is rolling around and it's like, dude, we let's go get in position. And we're on our way to get in position. And there's the bull and he's already on his way out. And we're pissed because he did exactly, exactly what we thought he was going to do. He just did it about 45 minutes to an hour earlier than we thought he was going to do it. So we're on this slope facing south. So there's like individual trees. Yeah, it's broken up big time. It's not, and we are not, we do not have our stalker decoys on and we do not want to be seen. He does not know that we are there. We haven't made a peep. So I'm watching through my binoculars and when I see that he's not looking, I, I, I give Taylor a hand signal to cross this little 30 yard stretch of openness to get behind the next tree that provides a visual block. And he does the same for me. And we zigzag down this hill to whirl about maybe, maybe 150, 175 yards away from this bull. And, and we play the terrain features and we cross the Valley and we get into a shooting position and I'm the shooter and Taylor rips a bugle and that bull bugles back at us. And like an idiot, I think, oh, I need to be at that tree, not this one. And I go running over there. And when I'm running over to that tree where I think he's going to come from, he's exactly where I think he is. And he sees me do it and he bumps. So we sit this stupid bull the entire freaking day. Yeah. And then the last minute, like a freaking idiot. I need to be at this tree. I, I go, <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm not, dude, just rookie mistakes, right? Rookie, rookie, rookie. Now. I am so over it. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't buy another bow because I'm not going to use this one anymore because I'm going to get a rifle. I'm done bow hunting. I'm going to shoot stuff so, so it dies. I'm going to get good at shooting at 400 yards. This is how I'm going to take animals. I can't do this anymore. I'm so pissed about it. Yeah. We hike back through Saddle Lake. We're running through that herd and that bull that we bump circles all the way around and we get another chance at him. Same this is bull? two hours later, same, same bull? bull, same cows, same count of cows. It's exact same bull. 
And we're probably 300 yards away from him now. You see, there's a theme that there's elk freaking everywhere in this area, and we're going to get like what appears to be unlimited chances at him. And those elk all start looking in one particular direction that wasn't at us. All of them were. And we have seen maybe five or six coyotes in this time that we're up here. And that little herd bumps again on this coyote. And then when I was a kid, I got made fun of by kids on the street and they would squirt squirt guns at me. And so I have this thing. It's such a stupid thing. But if I get wet, I don't like it. Right? Like if you were going to tease me and like we're going to squirt me with a squirt gun, I'm going to get pissed. I'm probably going to punch you. Right? Because it triggers this childhood memory of mine. Right? So one thing I really don't like is I really do not like the rain. And those those elk bump right back over the ridge and it starts to rain. And I'm like, it's a perfect storm. I'm like really, really I'm done. Yeah. I'm all done here. I get my emergency tarp out of my bag. I put it on me like a poncho. I'm walking back to the e-bikes. It's raining pretty good. I'm not even hunting anymore. I'm done. It's six 50. Legal shooting up there, I think, was around 7.30, 7.35 is when it ended, right? We're 7,500 yards away from the bikes at this point. We're done. The hunt's over, right? Yeah. Even though it's golden hour, even though it's prime time, you're done. I'm out of it. Yeah. And I've even, like, overcome the, the, the physical demands of it. I just, the mental part of it, I'm just, I'm just wrecked. It's, I'm so frustrated, and how many times we've had elk really, really close. We sat those elk. We knew where were they at the entire day. We watched him. He'd wake us up with bugles out of our naps. I had three mountain houses. Nothing could have been better. And I, like an idiot, I run in the open to the next tree thinking I'm out of position and I bump him. Like, what are you doing, Wade? Right? We're at the top of this hill and me and Taylor are both done. We're just hundred percent done. We're wore out. We're beat. We're done. And we're, I don't know, maybe like 7,500 yards away from the e-bikes. And it's raining and the rain kind of lets up a little bit. And I'm just like, whatever. And I can't hear anything because I got this freaking plastic poncho thing over my ears. And Taylor says, oh, there's a bugle right down there. I'm like, what else is new, dude? There's elk everywhere out here. We don't care. We can't get them. I'm pissed, right? And Taylor's like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, well, right down there, you said? He's like, yeah. So I stuffed my rain thing away. And I said, well, send a bugle out, see what happens. Taylor bugles, they bugle back. It's like, dang, they are kind of close. Um, all right, well, let's go down there. This is the same Valley now that was by the lucky plateau and that we blasted those elk out of. So we're like, there can't be elk down there. We already pressured that area. So we, uh, we're kind of standing there and we get behind this rock formation and I kind of peek my head out and I peek my head and it's like, Oh my gosh, there's a herd of elk. 25, 30 cows, big old honking bull, nice size bull. (laughs) And it's like, golly, all right. Are you done or are you not done? I didn't even think about it though. It was like, we're going to hunt these because they're right in front of us, right? So drop pack, grab my bow, got my bow, arrow knocked, got my stalker decoy on my bow. And we're, the topography saved us just a little bit because we could crawl kind of quickly and be completely obscured from view from these animals. And so I get to this spot, I get as close as I think I can get. And then Taylor starts calling, right? And that bull starts blasting and the cows are out there chirping. And I'm, I've got me and this little 
potentia shrub and some prairie grasses 12 inches off the ground, obscuring my view of the entire herd, but I can see them through the grass. And I kind of get my range finder and I'm laying down on my side and I can kind of barely get a range. And I range this cow at 68 yards and I look to my left and a cow is just completely in the wide open watching me and she bumps, but she doesn't take the herd with her. Right. And that's cows right there. Taylor's um, cow calling the bull is right there. And the bull feels like I could feel his breath, man. He was had to have been on the other side of this freaking shrub. And it's like, for goodness sakes, Wade, you got to do something. So I've got an arrow knocked. I'm sort of like on my belly. I raise up to my knees. I draw my bow and in my sight, all I see is elk. Like I'm trying to shoot a bow at a school of fish. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing discernible, right? Yeah. It's just a pile of elk hair. It's a pile of, and it looks like polka dots. Cause you've got those white rear ends everywhere. You know what I mean? And I know they're at about 68 yards. There's only one discernible feature about one of those elk. And it was his massive rack. And so based on the location of his rack, I was able to acquire his vitals and I send an arrow, right? This is your first arrow. This is my first shot of the entire hunt. Probably. And this is the first time I'm going to admit it. Probably the 50th time I've shot an arrow this year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> prep, prep zero, right? Oh man, <laughs> it's so embarrassing, oh, and I feel bro. so terrible for we not shot being more than fifty one. arrows last year at the range. You know. Now I will say this: Remember, we went to we went to town and came back. Taylor and I did practice a bunch in the parking lot, and my shots were on. I was on. I was on it. 20, 30, 40. And I knew that if I aim at my level, I was 65 yards. So I didn't have to adjust my, my sight. And I knew I was on, yeah. right. I maintained a four inch arrow group two times in a row in the parking lot when we had our little day off. So I did feel confident at 65 yards and I thought 68, I'll take the shot. Right. So I let that arrow fly the friggin' heaviest arrows of all time. Right. And these big old massive broadheads. And I had ranged that cow at 68 yards, but that bull must've been on at the front of the herd. And he had to have been closer than 68 yards because my arrow hit him high. Did and you see the arrow hit? Could you, or, or no, I heard it. Okay. I heard it hit. And the friggin' herd scatters like crazy. And my arrow had hit that bull high, but had immobilized him, immobilized his back legs. So spine shot. So it had to have been a spine shot. And I load another arrow, right? I actually shoot two more arrows at him, but those two miss. They land short. One arrow eventually hits him one more time and he's immobilized. And now he's got two arrows and he's bleeding pretty good. And me and Taylor back up and it's hard to explain. You've tried so hard to do something. I feel like that arrow was like a faith arrow. Um, it worked out. 
and the elk, he's immobilized. We don't have to try to find him. He's expiring. And, and, and it's a relief. There's excitement. It was the last 20 minutes of light that we were, that we were going to get, right? Because we're done hunting. We're done. There's our e-bikes. We're getting on them. We're leaving. We're done. And all of that changes in just a moment. It's not raining anymore. I had an opportunity on a beautiful bull. I would have taken, hey, Taylor and I pinky swore. First legal animal, man. First legal animal we have a shot at, we're taking. Right? There's no pride. This isn't a trophy hunt. And to get a shot on this herd bull was just insane. And so he's got two arrows in him. He's down there. He's expiring. His breath is changing. And it's like, should I go? I had one more arrow in my quiver. Should I go shoot him one more time? And Taylor's like, no, man, just let him, let's, let's, let's back up. Let's leave him be right. You shot him twice. He's, he's going to expire, right? I'm shooting these arrows, like the ginormous arrows of all time. And so we go set up camp. All right, let's go get this bull. And we go down there and he's set up camp, get the bull in the morning or get the bull. Like you set up camp and then that night, 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 okay, let's go get started on this bull. And we go down there and we hear his his bellows, right? And it's like, oh man, he's, he's still breathing. He's, but he's just about, yeah, he's, it's like, he's like that, like that, you know? And it's like, well, what do we do? It's dark. I can't see my pins. So I can't really shoot him again. I don't really want to run up on him. Yeah. Because he's a freaking, he's huge. He's a big animal. Dude, he's stabbed me with those antlers, right? That's just the way that this thing would yeah. go down. So it's like, all right, let's, surely to goodness, he'll, he's going to expire soon, but let's, let's leave him alone. Let's let him expire, right? And this is the part about the hunt that sucks the absolute most. Just, it's just gut wrenching to be in this position, right? We wake up in the morning to go get started on him. And he's still bellowing. Yeah. This is eight hours later. This is hurting. Every part of me felt so terrible about that. Like not like it's the, it's the literally the worst case scenario to have an animal that doesn't get a fast ethical, you know, harvest. It's what I want. And, and, and so this is just gut wrenching. So remember I told you those two arrows and I only had one left. So I, I shoot him with my last arrow at 20 yards. He's not moving. He's not moving. like when you approach him, is he laying over just still he'll breathing? kick his head around and he'll look at me, yeah. but he's still breathing, but it's very, very labored breathing. Yeah. And then I shot him with that last arrow and then I saw two of those arrows that I had shot the day before that hit short and they were sticking out of the dirt. So I picked those up. I cleaned those off and I thought I'm going to try to dispatch him as fast as I he's can. He's still now. breathing. He's still you, breathing you shot after him at that 20 shot. yards, 20 yards. He's still breathing. Now it's very labored, but I'm not going to take for granted any more time. Right. Yeah. So I see those two arrows. I'm sorry. I wipe them off. And I put two more arrows in him. So yeah. now this guy, this fighter, this massive bull, I have shot him with five arrows. And it's just, it's so gut-wrenching to put an animal through something like that because 
that's not, that was not my intention. Yeah. And my shots were on, but archery hunting, I mean, it's, it's extremely difficult, right? I'm eight years in and this is the first bull that is expired on the ground. Right. And so it's like, man, God is still good, but I wish this would have happened differently. Yeah. Right. So we get to that point. Then he does expire, right? He's not moving. He's not breathing. I'm watching him through the binoculars because I want to stay away from him right till he goes. I see that he's not moving and he hasn't moved for 30 minutes. So we go down there and we get a really, really good look at him. And he's just a magnificent animal. Then it sets in the emotional roller coaster that it took to get to this place. But he's on the ground 8.73 miles from the truck and 3,000 feet of elevation. So it was euphoric and amazing, the experience and the, that, that God delivered us that animal. I wish that the harvest would have happened differently. Yeah. But it is a harvest. So we get to work. We quarter up the animal. And we start this walk and my knife breaks after I had taken his whole hide and replaceable razor blade knife or a fixed blade. Oh man, it's a really good knife. I just shouldn't have done what I did to it. It's a nice bench made knife. I was trying to get through a little chunk of bone. So I whacked on it with a rock and broke okay. it. <laughs> it was a stupid move on my part. <laughs> I've the, done that once before. I'll admit the, the first stupid move of this trip, but I, man, I busted that blade and I was like, goodness gracious. Well now, um, I just left the hide and all the brisket and the, and the vertebrae, like the neck vertebrae and the cape and the head and the antlers. And I wrapped it all up slung that on my back and it was, you know, me and Aaron Peterman weighed it later. It was 119 pounds and we lugged that off the mountain and it took us, it took us two and a half days. That was Friday night. We shot the bull Saturday morning. We quartered him up and we didn't get done hauling meat until late Sunday. And it was so freaking hot. Hmm. It was so hot. Now I will say my first light gear was kicking butt. I had all their like uh, first layer, really lightweight Merino stuff. And I would just wear the long sleeves. I would wear the, the gator over my face yeah. and just let it just soak through with sweat. And it was comfortable and it would actually keep me cool. And we hiked that sucker off the mountain there at the end. I found my wind in a big way. Cause I hauled that 120 pounds. We, you know, me and Taylor had this sort of this midway point at clear Lake and it was a lot of work hauling that meat off the mountain to say the least, but we got it all off the mountain. We got it. We got it, you know, back to the truck. I've got this trailer. We got outfitted as a refrigerator. Like it's got a cool bot and a little miniature AC in it. Cause I like to hunt early season and we got all the meat hanging up. And, uh, 
this sort of unspoken commitment to go back and hunt again if either one of us doesn't harvest is sort of lingering. And that is, Taylor says, well, if I don't harvest or if you don't harvest, will either one of us go back with each other and try to get another bull, right? If Taylor had harvested, if that was Taylor's bull instead of mine, I would have been done. I would do, I did not want to go back. Even if I had an unfilled tag, I was just not, I was beat. You had your fill. I had my fill, right? That was your season. And I, but I didn't ask Taylor, but he didn't seem like he wanted to come back, but he didn't know. Right. His feet were hurting too. Oh, he was hurting bad. He was limping bad there at the end. I sort of like found my wind. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Taylor's feet were hurting. He, his feet hurt in a weird way because he doesn't get blisters or nothing. They just friggin' hurt my feet. I blister up something crazy. And now I've got these massive calluses, the size of quarters on all my feet right now. I'm like ready to go, right? <laughs> like right now, whatever today's day is right. A month after the hunt. So it was, um, an incredible roller coaster of emotion. This hunt was to just be so thick in the elk to have so many opportunities to be in my mind, I was resolved. I was done. I was like, man, I'm glad I'm shooting this bow that's five years old because I don't want to buy another bow because this is stupid. I want to get a big old honking 300 yeah. wind mag and shoot something from a mile away and know that it's dead, right? Yeah. I'm so frustrated by archery hunting, right? And then to have all the chips fall at just the right moment in just in the last 20 minutes of the hunt to make the shot, right? Now, I wish that that bull would have dispatched quicker but there was some saving grace to the fact that he wasn't mobile. I wasn't blood trailing an animal, right? We knew right where he was. So I feel like everything lined up in such a way where we got, got that meat home, got that bull home late Sunday night. Taco Bell was still open (laughs) and we let him have it. (laughs) I mean, and so we left, we left, we went home. And, uh, after I dropped off Taylor and then I, I, I unloaded the truck and unloaded the meat and everything. And I dropped off his truck with him the next day, Taylor and I did not talk on the phone for a week. Yeah. Even though you just had a massive <laughs> success story. Because I wasn't going to ask him if we're going back. Yeah. You're avoiding the question. Right? <laughs> I, it's, I want him to make the decision. 100% on his own. And we get to that in part B, right? You, Taylor recorded that first, but we end up, we end up do going back. And I had a 102 fever for three of the four days of the hunt. Oh my gosh. He didn't say that, but I wasn't going to not go. Bro. And 11 days of suck prepared me for the part B hunt, which was pretty grueling in and of itself. Yeah. Right. That time we had llamas, which was helpful, but we needed them because we went so freaking deep. We went so deep. But what I realized, and one of the things that I appreciate about all this is, you know, there was a long time I was trying to break into other people's elk camps, right? Buddies would talk about going elk hunting and they'd have, everyone's got a lot to say about elk hunting. As soon as you say, Hey man, can I go with you? All of a sudden there's crickets, man. There's no more talk about elk hunting. Right. And I know why that is because when you get a crew of guys and sort of a team for elk hunting, it's a special thing. Yeah. And, um, the hunting that Taylor and I have done together, you know, I'm blessed to have a buddy that likes elk hunting the way that I like elk hunting. 
and we have similar careers. He's a contractor. I'm a contractor. So I have some relative time freedom. Right. Um, and I can, I can do things differently. I'm not asking for days off. Right. And so he's in the same boat as me. And so I wasn't going to betray that and not go, even if I had a fever, I was like, I'll take, I mean, I was popping mucinex D like Tic Tacs. Right. And Taylor, you know, helped me haul this meat off the mountain. Right. And it wasn't even like sure I was going to share some with Taylor, but we didn't even make like a promise. We'll split whatever we get. It was my bull or it was his. And people would say, did you shoot a bull? Right. Cause word gets out. Right. I gave Amy a nice enough picture to post on Facebook. I'm not on social media, but everyone's like, dude, congratulations. You shot that bull. And I always had this check in my spirit. Like, well, yeah, me and my buddy Taylor, you know, if he didn't call him in, I wouldn't have shot that bull. So yeah, yeah me and my it's buddy, a team. Taylor, it's a team, 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 team. We shot that bull, but it's like, yeah, but like you, you, but like you, you, you can, that was your bull. That was you your had tag. that, like it was your bow, right? You're the one that shot the arrow. And I'm like, yeah. And so it's like this, I don't want to take credit for all this crap, you know, because it's such a team thing. And so, um, and then what was really satisfying about September, 2022 was when Taylor harvested his bull. Now I don't have any sort of hesitation about did you shoot a bull. Yeah. I shot a bull. Right. Yeah. Cause, uh, Taylor called in a bull for me and I called in a bull for him. Right. And we both got bulls. Yeah. So there's no like check in my spirit yeah. of taking credit for something that was really a team effort because the team truly won yeah. because we had two tags. We filled two tags and I'm, you know, yeah, this story needed the A and the B. It did. It, it's, it's a complete story. It didn't. And if together. you haven't listened to B, you got to listen to B because B was wild. B was wild. And A was crazy. A, we didn't have Aaron Peterman with us. Aaron hunted with us yeah. in 2021. Aaron made the move to Georgia and or Florida. Yep. Um, yep. And so Aaron tanked his hunt. He had tags at 551, I think. Yeah. He and, had tags and decided rather than go and go in solo, he would rather make the trip with a team yep. and have that experience with you. So that was, yep. a, and that's a big deal for him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Praise God that Aaron came with us because we needed his help. Right. Because where Taylor shot his bull was, I mean, 12 or 13 miles back in. Now, we did peek into the wilderness on Taylor's bull. But, yeah, I think 2022 archery season for for our squad was a pretty legendary year. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, I've got a freezer full of elk meat. I've got a beautiful harvest. The gear worked good. You know, it sort of is the culmination of, Man, seven or eight years. I think our first hunt was in 2014. So yeah, that's eight years now. Yeah. Of hunting, right? And um, it's been fun. It's been a roller coaster. I I tell you, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) The lows are so low, you know. Yeah. When you think that you're on the animals and you're missing shots or you're you're screwing up. Yeah. You know. The lows are low. I mean, it is hard. There is like true despair. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the hardest thing. Like I've done some hard things in life. Yeah. It's the hardest thing in certain moments like elk hunting. It's just like, I've, I've never done anything that, that hurts this bad. Yeah. Like it just, and it's, and it's, it's physical, it's mental, it's spiritual. It's like, I mean, it, it's at your core, it empties you. Yeah, (laughs) it does. It does. But my hope is that 
by overcoming and doing difficult things and enables me to do difficult things in other areas of my life. Right. I want to be a difficult thing doer. Right. Yeah. So yeah, 2022 was a great year, great hunt. Um, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't do our Wisconsin hunt this year, partly because I'm just so far behind on what I've got to do. We're trying to get moved into that house. Yeah. And, uh, there's a part of me too, that's satiated by what this year was and what it meant and what we did. You know, I'll, I'll say that just kind of wrapping up this year is an interesting year for me. Like, uh, if I just had to kind of, you know, like how do I summarize this year? I had probably the worst, not, not probably, it was the worst elk season I've had in, uh, well over a decade, you know, like it was not a good elk season period. Yep. Yep. Um, hunted with two guys, the guy that I hunt with every year, every year since the beginning, uh, we were supposed to hunt together opening weekend. He had a, he had an accident on a, he was riding a Rokon motorcycle thing in like six miles deep and fell off a rock slide. And I had to go kind of walk in and rescue him. And it was, it was, I got terrible blisters. It ruined, I was supposed to go on a hunt with AJ from Velvet Antler, ruined that hunt. I didn't get to hunt with AJ, mm. didn't get to hunt with Noah, like the guy I hunt with every year. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the first year that we haven't hunted together. Then I end up hunting with two guys uh, that I'd never hunted with before, uh, one from California, one from Wisconsin. We had our own issues of different elevations, different over-the-counter units, expectations, and just trying to find, like we, we moved five times. We had a hard time getting into elk. We had a couple kind of encounters that were kind of encouraging, but for the most part, it was just like, this just, it wasn't a good year. Like it wasn't what any of us expected, what we hoped for. So here I am struggling with that personally going like, man, I've hunted a long time. You know, I've got this hunt league app and community and I'm, and I've got all these records and scouts and things to look at. Like, and I'm saying that this data should help me become better. And here I am decades into this and i'm like worse (laughs) yeah but the icing on the cake which is just crazy i took my son to oregon Mm. and we did a bear hunt and somebody's gonna win this bear hunt inside hunt league next year just the on point experience somebody's gonna win this bear hunt and it was the most incredible hunt it was it was unbelievable and my 11 year old son harvested a bear which is just like the coolest most epic thing in the world yeah and then I just came back for this past weekend, this past Sunday, uh, my son shot his first buck. And those two experiences are as high of highs for me in my hunting career as anything. Yeah. So when I like look at this year, I'm like, I had the worst year personally. Yeah. But 2022 is going to rank up there as one of the best years yeah. of hunting for me because of what I've gotten to experience with my two sons, you know, and it's like yeah. just the, you know, the ups and the downs and all these things. It's, it's like so what actually comes together to make a season. I'm like 2022 is yeah. sucky as it was, was actually incredible for me. Like it's, it's like, so, it's, a it's multifaceted, year. right? My 12 year old son just got his hunter safety card this past January. Yeah. And so we're looking forward to putting him on animals. He wasn't of age though, before the draw. Correct. Right. So he couldn't draw for anything, but it is. There's a whole nether chapter to it. And my wife sometimes will ask me like, well, why, you know, why do you do it? Because, you know, obviously you don't do it for the meat because it's been eight years. Are you actually hunting? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> playing the slots. Right. Um, and I was kind of telling her that I feel like in our culture, in my life, especially, you know, in my life, I feel like 
with, with, with running business, with, with dealing with the pressures of life, I'm thinking about what I need to do, or I'm worried about what I've done, right? Or the mistakes or what could be done differently. And very seldom am I living in, in the now, in the present, in the right now. Yeah. And I feel like what hunting helps do for me is strip away, um, this peripheral concern of the what's next, what did I do? Because it's just the now, um, you know, all we had was failure, 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 failure in that first hunt. And then at the last minute we harvest. Yeah. Massive. Just a, success. a gorgeous, you know, just a gorgeous animal. Right. And so hunting, I feel like plugs me into the present in a way that, that nothing else that I do really does. Right. It plugs me into like when you're walking with an arrow knocked on your bow on a stalk slowly through the woods. Yeah. You are so dialed into what's fully happening present right now. You feel the wind. Yep. You understand every step you take, what yep. it, what it means. You know, yep. there, there's a weight to it. There's a sound. You're, you're present. Yep. It engages you in a way that there's, I can't think of anything else that has engaged me that way, except for maybe like being at the hospital during like my children being delivered. Right. I was pretty present for that. Yeah. Right. Cause that's like, you're, you're there, right. Yeah. You're holding babies. That's, those are euphoric moments as well. No doubt about it. Those are highs, right? I've got three kids, so I've got that, but the hunting and the being in the wilderness, I think Steve Rinella calls it biophilia, right? It's, it, it truly is something that hiking doesn't do for you. What hunting does for you. Hunting takes me places and causes me to think and read the landscape and be aware of certain things that a hike will never do. Right. I would, we would not have explored the wilderness areas that we went into and understand the topography and the, and the, and, and the land, the way that we did, if we weren't in pursuit of that elusive Wapati. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I appreciate about hunting is it connects me to the realm of the present in a way that nothing else will. And it helps, it helps channel the focus of your life. Yeah. That's you big. Know? That's big. There, there's very few things and it helps keeps you centered. Like, I mean, there's very few things in life cause you can just get in the grind of life and yep. life has its own way of beating you down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like there, there's a lot of, uh, theology for me that goes into this, but even when the Bible's talking about the Sabbath and like, mm -hmm. there's, there's, it, it's interesting when you read the 10 commandments, it's in the Bible in two places. Um, you know, it's the first time that it's given. Um, and then you have, uh, the second time. And if you read the 10 commandments side by side, you've got it. I, I want to say it's like Deuteronomy five and like Exodus 20. Um, they're almost identical in the way that it, uh, that, that it reads, you know, yeah. like thou shalt not kill or thou shalt, you know, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But when it comes to like the fourth commandment, where we're talking about the Sabbath, it reads differently. One is because God created the earth and rest in six days and rested on the seventh. The other says, because you were once slaves in Egypt. And it's kind of this like weird dichotomy of like, why do we follow the Sabbath and what is this? And like one is in like, did, was God so worn out that he needed to rest? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, yeah, like yeah. God just set that example so that, for us to follow yeah. him in that. Yeah. And then the second one though, is like this idea of like 
the slaves of Egypt. And I know this doesn't sound like hunting, but it's like this, because you were once slaves in Egypt, but this idea that, all right, we're not being whipped by an Egyptian master or something like that. Sure. But I will tell you, sitting in silence is one of the hardest things for people in our culture. Oh my goodness. Like you try, it's like, can you actually sit and meditate and hear the thoughts of your own heart? Can you actually get yep. to a place where you can hear, you know, the heartbeat of God and understand what's going on? And it's yep. like, when you listen to this, like it, people get so lost, they get so uncomfortable with silence that they oh, fill yeah. it with music. You fill it with something like you have silence in your life and you avoid it at all costs. For sure. And then the uncomfortableness of silence, it's also like in the silence is when the whips start happening because it's like, what did I not do? Like what you were just saying, it's like what you you start looking back at the past. You start yep. looking ahead. What is the thing? You know, and it's like you can't even think, you can't even sit in silence and just be still. Yep. And it's like, even that, when the Bible is like, be still and know that I'm God, we don't have the ability to be still, period. When you have the world at your fingertips, you have distraction, you have a dopamine hit just available for you any second. Like YouTube shorts, man, holy smokes, that's a black hole. Yeah. Right? You can waste a lot of time. The next TikTok video, the next Instagram thing, and it's just, it's right at your fingertips all the time. And when when you're hunting, when you're in pursuit of an animal, I feel like it provides a reason to be present the way that the way that nothing else has or does for me. Yeah. Right. And that's what I hope to pass on to my son. Like that's what I hope he gets. Yeah. You know? Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that, but it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> That's great. Well, I know, I know we need to wrap. We, we've gone a little bit long, but I mean, I, I could dive into this so much because, you know, like I've, I've had conversations with some of my friends recently just talking about how difficult it is sometimes when I take my son to school every day, but I have a hard time. Sometimes he's talking to me. And I, there's not even music in the car and I have a hard time listening to what he's actually even saying because my mind is racing on all the things that I've got to do that day. And like, there's nobody else in the car. There's nothing else distracting, but I can't even hear his voice. The only voice talking to me because (laughs) the whips of the, the slavery are pounding so hard. Sure. And then we go on this hunt this past weekend and we just have this incredible time and we were fully present with each other. And that's a memory that we'll have forever. And it's like, there's something so beautiful. So I love everything that you got to share today. The part A was beautiful. It had to be married with the part B. So if you haven't listened to the part B with Taylor Hicks, we, it's a previous episode that we just released. So dive back in, listen to this. You're not going to find Wade Right now in Hunt League, Wade is one of those Android user guys. So you're, <laughs> you can't find his stories. You can't find stuff. Give me just a little bit more time, Android people that are listening. Uh, it is coming. You can log a hunt in the present. Um, I'm probably We're probably a week away that I can announce that. We're probably a week away from being able to log past hunts. Um, and we're probably six weeks away from Android users being able to engage with community stuff, being able to post on the community page, view community page, those types of things. So just for anybody listening that's got friends that are using Android, that kind of thing. And we're closing in on our outdoors of the year, a bunch of our leagues closing up. So uh, stay tuned. There's a lot of great stuff coming up uh, inside the Huntley Gap. But Wade, thank you for joining us today. That's fun, Jared. Truly. Thanks for sharing your story. What an awesome story. Congratulations on ending an eight year (laughs) drought, staying with it. Yeah. Bow hunting sucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's a t-shirt right there. (laughs) It does. So, um, but thanks for joining us today. It was a great podcast. Thanks for having me, Jared. It's uh, it's a blast. 
No doubt Taylor and Wade busted their butts chasing elk this year. I want to take just a moment to point out a few pieces of gear that they use that you have an opportunity to win in some of our leagues. Let's start with great binos backed by an unconditional lifetime warranty from Vortex Optics that give you a distinct edge when it comes to locating game. Both Taylor and Wade used Exo Packs to carry heavy loads comfortably for miles. Exo Packs are arguably the most versatile and well-designed packs built for backcountry hunters. Then when it comes to layering systems and outerwear, they relied on First Light and Scree Gear. These companies are the best of the best, and we are proud to partner with them this year in the Outdoorsman of the Year, the On Point Experience, and the Western Hunter Leagues. Check out these leagues and some of our other incredible partners inside the Hunt League mobile app.